0: CTBK is more than just a full-service accounting firm. They are one team with an innovative approach that takes on each new challenge with collaborative problem-solving skills to provide creative solutions for their clients. Based right here in Western New York, CTBK is a champion for your business and our community. Additionally, CTBK goes beyond tax and attest services by offering a wide array of consulting and outsourced solutions tailored to meet the unique needs of your business allowing you to focus on your operational and long-term strategic goals. Whether you're a large corporation, a small business, or somewhere in between, the team at CTBK is determined to help you succeed. Visit ctbk.com or call 716-630-2400. 716-630-2400 to learn how CTBK's one-team approach can work for you. Welcome to another edition of Tim Graham and Friends brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and business consultants. I'm Tim Graham of The Athletic here with my usual co-host Jonah Bronstein of the New Bronstein Times. And uh, joining us for this episode from Manhattan in his CBS News office, Jeff Glore, CBS Saturday morning anchor, the pride of Kenmore East, Syracuse University, And in September, we'll join the Buffalo Broadcasters Hall of Fame. Um, Are you old enough to be in a Hall of Fame, Jeff?
1: I I don't know. It makes me feel old. It also makes me feel like anybody can get in.
0: Well, you do have the credentials, but you're right. I I mean, you are going to get into your Hall of Fame at a, a younger age than Tom Brady will be getting into his Hall of Fame.
1: That feels good. So... That's That's also
2: in the Kenmore East Performing Artists Hall of Fame, which I don't have that distinction of saying myself.
1: You will someday, Jonah.
2: Who else is in there? Others. (laughs) Maybe Adrian Adonis. (laughs) I don't know.
0: (laughs) Adrian Adonis is another Kenmore uh, East graduate who just had a docu uh, episode of uh, The Dark Side of the Ring uh, on this season on Vice. Keith Frank. Um, they get back into his Buffalo days uh, as a as a mob tough guy, uh, shaking down people for money owed. Jeff, did you ever have any of those experiences at Kenmore East? With the mob? No, I think as yeah, as a tough guy, you know, as an enforcer. No, that
1: was only when Jonah was at Kenmore East.
0: Well, how, what's going on in your office? I always like to talk to uh, these big guys, these big guns, and they're coming to us from their office. They have cool stuff in their office. Do you have some cool stuff in your office?
1: Yeah. So this is this actually is a relatively new office. They moved us. A bunch of the executives took over uh, a row where the correspondents uh, used to sit. So they moved us here um, just a few months ago. I'm, a, I'm actually on the Sunday morning floor. Um, and so you have, uh, well, here, I'll show you um uh let's see so i mean I'll, I'll give you the office tour but i don't think a lot of the sunday morning people are in right now
0: Mo this Rocker, is very letterman-esque let's see what we Mo find
1: Rocker's not here john lapook is back there jane paulie's office is right here jane's very nice i have to say she's not in right now um but if she was uh, i'm sure she'd be happy to talk to you and um if we go in back in the office It's not that exciting, but um, I have a director's chair, which is folded up. I should probably put that out somewhere. I don't know. Pictures. Uh, Iraq. Ghana. First time I filled in on PBS. This is from a dish segment we did in the backyard with an Argentinian chef named Francis Malman. Some awards. More Iraq stuff. Got a buffalo picture. Um. The family this is a photo we are a caricature that they had made when I left Syracuse the local news job in Syracuse that's me in my favorite thing which is an f-18 maverick style and this is a a sultry picture uh, that I took when I was doing evening news it's a uh, I mean that's that's a good-looking guy isn't it I would Sorry. <laughs>
0: Okay. So, uh, the, uh, the building is on fire. Uh, there are alarms going off and you only have so much time to gather some things out of your office. What, uh, what do we take? What do we, what are we grabbing on the way out the door?
1: Um, I guess the Emmys. Why am I looking at myself right now because
0: you're pinned right now because i want to be a a uh, ominous voice coming in as i because what will happen is if i talk if i don't pin you and i had comments about what you were doing in your office it would flip over to me talking and not us looking at your office i will remove the pin shortly but this is me trying to do some production
1: so what would i grab i I mean i guess like the family photos and I don't know. I mean, there's not a ton. I have a closet with a bunch of clothes in it. I don't think I'd grab those. Maybe some books. There's some good books over there. The Rise of Theodore Roosevelt, The River Runs Through It, Liars Poker, Lincoln at Gettysburg, Power Broker. Those yeah, are the types of
0: things you just keep in your office to impress people who are in your office, though, right?
1: Yeah. You don't read yeah. those things. No, no, no. No. Never never opened any of them.
0: Of course not. Yeah. Good. Well, that's good to hear. I, I like to know that you're a regular guy. Yeah. <laughs> so we always like to have you on Jeff to talk about your beloved Buffalo bills. And it's that time of year. Yep. Uh, the excitement level is I think down compared to last year and the year before, uh, the bills are flying under the radar a little bit. Joan and I talked about that on the last episode, probably a good thing for this team, but, um, and we were talking about it yesterday uh, over the phone is that I think they're as good as they were last year. And so it it is, it is a strange phenomenon for people to kind of be a little suspicious of the bills, or I think even diehard fans are dreading um, not being as good as they have been. The windows closing is a narrative we're hearing more and more. Where are you in terms of your, your outlook for twenty twenty three?
1: Well, I, I agree with you. I think it's it's weird but understandable. Like, you know, last year they were the clear favorites, right? Which was odd to be in that place, but it came off that the Kansas City game, right? The which should have won. Um, and this year's coming off sort of that dud against the Bengals. But it is it is weird that last year we were the the I don't want to say prohibitive, but but the but the favorites to win the Super Bowl. And this year it's like, what, we're like maybe slotted like three or fourth in terms of favorites. So, but, you know, we were talking about this on the phone a little bit yesterday, I and I, I the big question, I asked, are the Bills better or worse this year? And I, it's hard to say they're worse.
2: They're certainly um, not
1: worse. They're, they're, I, I mean, they're
2: worse th- at one position maybe, but I think better in a lot of ways
1: yeah so so then why in that case are they did they have they have have some people soured on them i don't think they just well jonah what do you it. think
0: you say the one position are you referring to inside linebacker
2: yeah i mean they went from a guy who was playing in pro bowls and got a pretty large contract and was a star player captain player to an unsettled situation behind him. i mean they're definitely worse at that position but overall i don't know if the defense in the front seven is any worse and I definitely don't think the overall roster and makeup of the team is any worse and I think they're a little bit better
0: I think running back is another position that doesn't get talked a lot about because I think people are tired of talking about running back and the the offense always seems to do well without that proven number one running back but I do think they may have taken a step back when you that they lost Devin Singletary and then losing Naheem Hines to the injury. And I know Damian Harris is in and that solidifies it, but that's a shifting, those are some shifting sands back there too. I think uh, they're But better again, there. I'm just bringing it up for the the sake of discussion.
2: Well, I, I, real quick, I think they're better there. I think James Cook was excellent as a rookie and him being the lead back with his speed and what he might be able to do as potential to be, uh, you know, one of the best runners the Bills have had in, in a number of seasons. And I like Damian Harris and Latavius Murray may or may not make the team or be a guy who's active on game days. But as a third running back, as an option there, I think he's better than what the Bills might have had in that third spot the last couple of years.
1: If you're the Bills, why would you not potentially be entertaining the possibility, and I'm not saying it's a good idea, or not of Dalvin Cook or, um, you know, somebody like that, or a Jonathan Taylor trade? Is it because you, you think that James Cook can break out?
0: Well, I think it it feathers into the overall discussion about running backs in the National Football League now and how they are coming back to uh uh to reality in terms of the financial situation. They want more money than teams believe they're worth. And getting Dalvin Cook now uh doesn't mean that you're going to get him for a bargain. Dalvin Cook is no longer a Viking because he wanted more money. Austin Eckler wanted out of Uh, Los Angeles because he wanted more money, couldn't get it. Um, A lot of these running backs want it to be uh, 2011. They want it to be 2005 in terms of compensation. And Brandon Bean just doesn't want to commit that kind of money to running backs. That's why he'll never draft one in the first or probably second round, definitely not in the first Um, and they view running backs to be largely interchangeable and to be one of the best values in the league on their rookie contracts because that's when you get the most out of these guys on the rookie contract. Um, So I think that's really what it comes down to is just a financial commitment on a team that has so many other big-ticket items that they need to factor in for a long time to come, namely the quarterback – and uh, the things that they like to do on defense with their defensive backs in the pass rush.
2: And a quarterback yeah, that who can... runs a lot, especially around the goal line, reduces the need for a high-priced feature
0: back.
1: Well, it also increases the risk of injury to that quarterback.
0: You which... aren't sold on yeah. Kyle Allen, Jeff?
1: <laughs> I think Kyle Allen is tremendous in those, in those goal line situations, and he can pound it in like, you know, Like Craig Hayward. I mean, listen, um, uh, the other question I, I, I got from my brother, I'll give him credit is he asked me why not mortgage the future a little bit and like go for a guy like B. John Robinson in this year's draft.
0: First off, I want to know where you get off, uh, coming on Tim Graham and friends brought to you by CTBK CPAs and business consultants. And ask the questions. I know you're a professional journalist. I know you're a serious big J journalist. But you're the guest on this show, and right. this you were not yeah. asked to come on this program to have your little personal sports talk program where you get to ask the questions and find out. So you are the guest. You're supposed to be telling us what you All right. think. All right. You're right. Or do you want? At least, you, right. can you at least? understand that premise? I mean, we can, I'll answer your questions, but I just want you to at least, if you can fathom where I'm coming from.
1: This happens every time, I feel like. And I just start popping off questions like, yeah, you're right. Like I'm conducting the podcast. And in (laughs) fact,
0: I'm not. (laughs) Which improves it dramatically. I mean, let's be, I'm, I'm pushing back because I'm a little intimidated. And uh, quite frankly, I don't like being put in my place and uh, you are showing me how it's done and I don't like it. So I'm trying to flip the script a little bit and and feign uh, feign disgust when really I'm I'm uh, urinating uh, in my in my drawers.
1: <laughs> well, I I'm sorry if I did that. I, I promise that's the last question I'll ask during this. No, during come this. on. That's sorry. why
0: we we always have a discussion when we come on here. You end up asking. Oh, we, that's and that's what I enjoy. We we have a discussion here. We're not you're not getting peppered with questions.
1: All right. So answer the question then.
0: Well, I think similar to to what I said, I think that, uh, there was no way that, uh, he was going to last into a round where Brandon Bean is comfortable paying that type of position. I don't want to say that type of position because that when paying running backs, you know, B. John Robinson was going to be an early pick and, you know, the bills just don't want to make that commitment. They, they want to spend it. They want to spend their money somewhere else. Um, it would be a great addition though. I agree. Um, you know, the the thought exercise you hear all the time is, um, and, and I've had this question in my mailbag once or twice, uh, Can what would be better if the Bills had, um, what would put the, the these Bills over the top or the 90s Bills over the top? Thurman Thomas on this current team or yeah. Josh Allen on the 90s team? And my answer is Thurman Thomas on this team, because it is already one of the best offenses in yeah. nfl history really i mean it's not up there yeah. with the 2007 patriots but if you put thurman thomas or an, yeah. any elite running back all right i don't want to belittle thurman thomas by saying any elite running backs thurman thomas is i believe underrated and he's in the hall of fame yeah. that doesn't yeah. mean that dalvin cook is you know of that ilk but anyways that's my that's my take but you grew up watching those teams what do you think what if- well, what, oh, if, go
2: ahead, what if the Bills had, let's take Thurman Thomas out of it. What if the Bills had one of their more recent first round draft picks at running back, Willis McGahee, CJ Spiller. I mean, Marshawn Lynch turned out very good on another team, but the the Bills didn't have a great history with using first round picks on running backs. Would one of those type of players elevate what they have right now?
0: Yeah, you can argue that the Bills have maybe the greatest running backs of any team in NFL history. If you take them from the, arc of their team up to maybe the Chicago Bears um but anyways
1: yeah yeah no I mean I guess the question is just and listen nobody's gonna I'm not I'm not a general manager obviously Brandon Bean's done a pretty damn good job putting this team together and maintaining it I guess the the question is like yeah if you take that chance if you get a guy I don't know how if B. John Robinson is as good as or you know Sort of Saquon level when he was drafted, or whatever else. If he's if he's really sort of like that generational sort of running back, I don't know what it would have cost to to um to trade up from the mid twenties to you know top ten. But it's just it's another it's a question. Sorry, another question.
2: Yeah.
0: No more questions,
2: Jeff. Do you like the Dalton and pick and the strategy of you know taking a yes. side end in the first round?
0: I love it. I
1: love it, and I, and you know, there's all this talk about is he going to break the sort of rookie mold or, or, the, you know, what you know, taking rookies slowly. I, and I hope he does. Um, and he obviously looks great in practice, so I think yes. I, I, given where they were, and you know, I know they moved up a little bit, but um, yeah, I like it a lot. Again, I don't know anything, but I like it.
0: Yeah, we're going to learn probably not a lot about Dalton Kincaid in the preseason because he plays a position that the Bills are not going to want to give away uh, their plans on how they're going to deploy this guy on Sunday afternoons or Monday nights or whenever the game is. So in the preseason games, we're probably only going to see Dalton Kincaid doing pretty vanilla things. Yeah, you might, you know, you get the sense as to how good his hands are, or how he runs a particular route, but. I don't think that we're going to see him lined up in any exotic formations or or give us any kind of serious clue as to uh what the plans are going to be for him uh when the real games take place.
1: It's exciting. I mean, because of him Floyd, you know, like Trey White healthy to start the year, um I know Tremaine's gone, um but like, you know, James Cook in his second year. I like I said, I don't think they're worse and it's very easy to argue. They're maybe not significantly better, but, but better.
0: Yeah. I think the defense is going to be fine. I know that a lot of people are upset with the loss of Tremaine Edmonds, but you have, as you mentioned, Jeff Tredavious white, he's going to be healthier and more confident and more fluid than he was when we saw him in November, December. Um, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, if they can stay healthy, and Taylor Rapp filling in for either of those guys if they're out. You know, Taylor Rapp was a a, a starter for a Super Bowl team and was very good. And he's going to be the future of that position as Poyer and Hyde age out. Such an important position in Sean McDermott's defense. He loves his safeties. Uh, the evolution of either of the young quarterback uh, cornerbacks on the other side of Tredavious White. The pass rush, even with Von Miller out, the addition of Floyd. I think that around it, and I wrote a story about it a couple of months back in which I interviewed Brandon Bean about it. I think the defense is better. I don't say I don't think it's addition by subtraction. Please don't misconstrue it as me saying they're better without Tremaine Edmonds. But I'm thinking that on the whole, if you take a look at Edmonds' absence, but with all the other things that are positives, I think the defense could be better. I don't think they're worse. That's good. <clears throat> and Matt Milano, look, Matt Milano is a is a superstar, or he should be. He, he's an he's an, a superstar talent. He might, he's not an everyday uh household name. Um, but the Bills couldn't afford to pay Tremaine Edmonds anywhere near yeah. what he got in Chicago, but also the commitment at the linebacker position would have been way out of whack because yeah. Matt Milano's getting paid well too for being a damn good player. So I'd got, push back on that. you got to pick ben your Milano. spots as to where you save your money.
2: I, I'd counter that a little bit with Milano in that, in, well, now we'll see if he is a superstar. Because maybe there was something about the mix with Tremaine Edmonds and what he was able to do on the outside and not having to overcompensate for anything with the other linebacker position if he's still an all-pro or if something is lost with a, you know, not a lesser player, but a different player playing next to him.
0: Yeah, that's true. Right. We, and they deployed him differently after Von Miller got injured. Once Von Miller was out of the lineup, we saw Matt Milano blitzing a lot more. He was unleashed a little bit. Um, that wasn't their preference, even though Matt Milano made a lot of big plays in that um in that phase of the season without Von Miller. But I think in a perfect world, obviously they don't want him doing that because they didn't have him doing it until they had until they were forced to. I'm sorry, Jeff. Go ahead. You are No, it's all right. Feel free Who to was it? join in. Who was the Jets quarterback that he pulverized? Mike White. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Jeez, remember that?
0: Folding him like a oh, a that was backyard chair.
1: That was an unbelievable hit. I listen. I I'm a I'm a big Matt Milano fan. I I get what Jonah's saying, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's even better this year.
0: Jeff, you're coming back to Western New York for the Buffalo Broadcasters Hall of Fame induction in September. Mm-hmm. That is the regular season. Are you able to time it up? Or do you have games circled on the schedule this year that uh, you, a, a, are going to attend, or B, are just excited about? Uh, because we you there. are a super fan. You do travel to see your Bills.
1: We were talking about this. Uh, the family was talking about this over the weekend and trying to figure out which games we would get to. Um, I may or may not get to the uh, Monday night opener here at MetLife surrounded by gangrene um so we'll see on that we were talking about possibly the raiders game which is the home opener right i think we too Mm -hmm. um and then i'd love to get to the i'm you know i'm trying to figure out a way to get to the london game um so um we'll see um but that i think that could be kind of cool i don't know the kids are the kids are excited my my daughter especially is very anxious to go because she says you've o- you only take Jack to sports games. And so she wants to get on the sports bandwagon. And I've, we, so we tried to watch the hall of fame game last week. My son was away at camp and I was, I said, all right, you want your football education? Well, wait begin? a minute. Like, if what? you
0: want to get her into sports, why are you doing that?
1: I don't know. I mean, she's, why are you having I, her watch the hall of fame game? Well, yeah, it was bad it was because she knows her
0: father she can tell her father's not even into it i know well you're probably on your phone you're looking out the window
1: i was starved for football yeah she didn't last long but i was trying to give her you're right it was it's 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 but listen i i give that it was i know you got you got backups or backups to backups playing but i thought that um Tarico and collinsworth were on their game and it was sort of oh, i was just fun to see it was like the first sort of like nationally televised football nfl game since the super bowl so kind of a big deal
0: as a professional broadcaster is that an insult are you are you a journalist or are you a broadcaster you're a broadcast journalist i guess yeah as a professional broadcast journalist what are your thoughts on the different crews? Everybody has their opinions. You just mentioned Tarico and Collinsworth. There were some kind of uh, bigger stories last year about guys not doing as good a job as they used to. Uh, Tony Romo took a lot of heat for not being prepared for games. Uh, sure. Al Michaels didn't sound like he was uh, totally connected to the broadcast anymore, doing his uh, gig for Amazon or whatever it is. People were wondering, what you know, Al Michaels just didn't have it. What are your thoughts on the different crews? Rank your top your top few. Or is there one you hate listening to?
1: I mean, El Michaels, I think, has always been, you know, the gold standard for me. Um, and, yeah, I know he's doing he's doing Thursday nights now. I guess the, the biggest thing that's sort of uh, – that I've been a little confused by, and I, I'm not the only one, I think, in recent years, is these guys getting, like, these, like, you know, 15, $20 million contracts a year. And I'm like, they're good at what they're really good at what they do. And they're the most well-known. Are they like that much better than the guys making like, you know, a million or whatever else? I don't know. I just, there's sort of this, it's just, there's this weird imbalance right now and, you know, prime and I know there's more competition now, but there's been a bunch of contracts handed out that seem kind of nuts. Um, uh, now listen, they're the best, so they, I guess, they deserve to be paid as the best. But that's that's been a little, a little weird. Um, I don't get to watch the NFC broadcasters maybe as much. Um, I guess the big thing is what part of the talk last year was, you know, what's going to happen when Tom when Brady takes over, like in the Fox booth, because people thought Olson was doing a really nice job. Um, so. I don't know. I'm not going to ask you what you think of that because I'm banned from asking questions, but um I I'd love to I'd love I'd love to hear what the audience thinks.
0: I'm actually not a good person to ask because I'm at the games. So, I don't get oh. a regular diet of the different crews. I see the national ones on Sunday night or Monday night when the Bills aren't playing, obviously, but that has increased in recent years. I don't get the, a steady diet of all the primetime broadcasters, yeah. but yeah, when it comes to the Sunday afternoon guys on CBS and Fox, I, you know, because I'm at the Bills game, and then even from the four o'clock game, uh, I'm working during that one. Um, and then there's sometimes it it, we're in the press box for a later game. We don't have the sound; they don't put the sound on in the press box and all that stuff. So, it, I'll it, tell you what it, I think. I,
1: it it makes it makes a huge difference when you're watching a game. And Jack, you know, my 13 year old now, pays attention really closely. He's definitely into the. Like he'll tell you if he doesn't like an announcer, or does. I think, and he's he's always and he knows in advance. Like he looks up who's going to be calling the game, and he's like, Dad, this guy's calling the game. It's gonna, it's not going to be good. Or Dad, this guy's calling the game. Um, So yeah, it's a big deal. I remember when we were kids. So when I was a kid, uh, my parents and my grandparents a lot of times used to turn off the, the sound on the TV, and we listened to Van Miller, you know, um, on the radio when we were watching the games. So, um, I don't, yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice to have like the top guys. Obviously I'm never going to say, you know, I always love listening to Nance call a game, um, still. So I hope, I hope he gets more of the bills games this year. Um, and, um, you know, always fun to see the either Sunday night football, Monday night football, Thursday night football, you know, you're going to get some of the top guys.
0: Jonah, you you were going to say, yeah, I just wanted to
2: say, you know, my main take is that CBS is the best and a step above all of the other networks as is the case with the news programming. CBS also broadcasts in the Super Bowl this year and I Come agree. On, I mean, man. look, but I do. I like Jim Nance. I like Tim Tony Romo, I like the combination they have there and uh you know, I like the CBS games better than the other games.
0: I I I have a tendency to agree, but also you know also you ha- I'm I'm affiliated with WIVB as a as somebody that they um donate money to to talk for five to seven minutes every Sunday uh, before a game uh, on Buffalo kickoff live Jonah works at WIVB Jeff Glore has posters and uh, promo stuff hanging all over the offices at WIVB as the CBS Saturday morning anchor so for us to be sitting here in this I'm going to go ahead and call it at the TGAF circle jerk And talk about how great CBS sports is. I think it comes off as a little disingenuous. However, I will say that Ian Eagle and Kevin Harlan are my two favorite play-by-play guys.
1: Yeah, they're great. They're great. I'll take them. I'll take, uh, I'll take Ian and and, uh, Kevin any day. And by the way, uh, Ian's son does a pretty damn good job too. Oh yes. (laughs) At the the tender age of whatever he is. I mean, he's, he's pretty good.
0: Is Jack Glore going to get into this profession?
1: My wife wants Jack Lore to get into this. Um and I think Jack Lore has expressed some interest but he's still uh figuring things out. He's just he just he needs he's waiting for Mad the Madden 24 to come out. He's playing he's playing Fortnite, you know, in in in, in the interim. So I think he'll gear up with serious but he you know he A lot
0: of people attention. don't know that Jack is 36.
1: <laughs> he pays attention to the um, to the announcers, even in the, in the video games closely. You know, and like even oh, yeah. that's a huge deal now, you know, like who who's the who's the who's the voice of, you know, NBA 2K or, you know, NHL 24 or whatever else. I mean, that's
0: MLB, different. the show has pretty elaborate broadcast capabilities with and then some some of these games have studio hosts or sideline reporters. I know. I know. It's nuts. Uh, how old is Jack? Jack is 13. Okay, so you got plenty of time. Yeah, My Jack is 17, and he has no idea what he's going to do, so yeah. his clock is ticking. He's already taken a senior photo, and he has no idea if he's uh, going to panhandle or get a job at some point in his life.
1: He should follow in the footsteps of his father, who, by the way, has continued his tremendous reporting for The Athletic. This is one of the reasons why I reached out yesterday, by the way, to talk about some of the recent stuff you've done round which is round
0: four or five of the circle jerk is commencing right now.
1: Well, yes, but you deserve it. So I'm going to, I'm just going to say this.
0: Well, thanks for saying that Jeff. That was uh, it, it's interesting. I mean, I don't really know what to make of it yet. Sometimes in journalism, you don't have answers, but you're just sharing what's happening. And I do find it yeah. interesting what's happening with all the palace intrigue at one bills drive.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: learning uh, recently and since my story came out that Terry Pagula's own son-in-law is out uh, and uh, don't really know why yet. A lot of rumors swirling, but he was the director of corporate development at Pagula Sports and Entertainment. That's Jesse's husband. So it's almost as though the Pagulas sat down and watched Secession, looked at each other and said, how come we're not getting in on this? But I don't want to read too much into it, but there are a lot of people who aren't saying things, which usually as journalists, when you go looking for answers and people aren't readily uh, responding or transparent or say, well, what's the big deal? When they when they take a long time to answer. It usually means they're they're coordinating. Yeah, but um, the bottom line
1: is that Terry, not that he wasn't wasn't engaged before, but is now more hands-on football-wise
0: yeah i I think that you know that's the the story that came out on saturday that i wrote it's uh, a lot of people wanted to know why ron rakuya was out as the coo after just a month earlier let me let me rephrase that because i was about to do some word salad a month earlier he had the hard hat on and the and the golden shovel at the groundbreaking at the uh, of the new stadium was the first person brought to the lectern to speak and a month later he is out uh and the reason being uh, uh is that Terry just doesn't like him and Kim did and Kim allowed him to do a lot of things that Terry just wasn't uh wasn't wired to have people do underneath him so he changed the uh The structure of the front office now he has three people reporting to him instead of just one he's much more involved and i think that we saw with the photo that was posted and then deleted of kim pagula she does not look very well and uh, obviously she is not going to be coming back uh, to be the bill's president uh anytime soon and probably not at all so terry pagula needs to get involved and i think that he was perfectly satisfied to let Kim handle all those things. And then for a little while, Ron Rakuya. Uh, But now that he has to run both teams instead of just his baby, the Buffalo Sabres, things are changing. And uh, it's, but a lot of people thought it was because of cost overruns that they see coming with the stadium because the Pagoulas are on the hook for all overruns beyond the 850 million that they're getting from the state and the county. Uh, Ron Rakuya being the stadium negotiator, people think that he was on the hook uh, or he was uh, to blame for that and took the fall and uh, the legends uh, stuff or the ad pro sale. But the way my reporting came out is it's just that he had Kim Pagula's ear and he doesn't have Terry Pagula's ear. And it was as simple as that. And if, so you're, the the you team,
1: if you're the owner of the team, that's your rights. Absolutely. I mean I he owns the team um I yeah it, it, again Tim tremendous reporting I um, this is one of the things we first started talking about yesterday you did a great job again the the fan does day, that I'll, matter
0: to you the front office structure because bean and McDermott are in place and Adams and Granado uh, are in place does it matter the palace intrigue should it
1: it's 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 dramatic and soap operate to read about i guess and i obviously appreciate the work that yes i think it's important because it's you know who knows i mean i i I think as the as as the as as a bills fan who always wants the bills to be in buffalo i don't think you know they're not going to leave buffalo with if if terry pagula owns the team um i think that's one selfish way to look at it um but yeah it's of course it's interesting that's why so many people read it
0: I do think it's a point to be made, and I probably should have made it in the story, but I didn't. Is the maybe some uneasiness of as we come to realize the precariousness of Kim Pagula's health situation, that does take away some of those protective feelings that you have of what is after Terry Pagula that we use that that people in Western New York always, or for generations anyway, had that fear of what happens after Ralph? Now yeah. Terry and Kim Pagula came along and put those fears uh, and that anxiousness to rest, but Kim's being so much Kim being so much younger than Terry, and then a transition beyond Kim, maybe to the kids, um, not no longer being in play. You now have a bigger chasm from Terry to the kids. Um, yeah. Matthew yeah. just out of college a couple of years ago. Uh, Kelly, uh, I'm not really sure what her plans are to be with the team. Jesse is, is in doing great with her tennis career and has a long, probably for her, she hopes a long way to go, uh, before she gets into any kind of managerial role. Um, Laura Pagula, uh, Terry's daughter from his uh, first marriage is said to be getting, uh, more of a foothold within the company. So anyways, it's, um, that, that's an aspect too, that I think probably if fans haven't thought about it are probably going to eventually it's going to dawn on them that what happens after Terry.
1: Yeah. I think it's a legitimate um, concern. Um, and I, I, I do think what Bill's fans do have going for them is, you know, for whatever other issues that many people have with Roger Goodell. And I understand that I, as you know, Tim, I mean, I think he badly wants there to be a, an NFL team in Buffalo.
0: Well, and it's going to be here for the next 30 years. And yes, there are ways to get out of the deal eventually. And, uh, you know, the investigative post has done some uh, looks into that. Jim Heaney's uh, nonprofit uh, organization that uh, uh, does a pretty good job. Sometimes they're a little uh, uh, sensationalistic, uh, but I think in, in terms of uh, stories that they've done on on the the lease, And uh, and showing that it's not as ironclad as a lot of people would like to believe or assume uh, that just because it says 30 years doesn't mean they have to stay here for 30 years. But, yeah, I I think that the NFL also does like having its its boogeyman out there. Uh, And now, you know, it used to be Las Vegas, London now still Toronto. It used to be until everybody finally realized that that wasn't going to work. What is it now? San Diego? Um, whatever, yeah. Austin, you know, there's all kinds Austin. of different Oklahoma city, Birmingham. They're going to have to cultivate some new boogeymen, but at least for a while, the bills uh, are going to be here.
2: But the lease effectively, I wouldn't say locks it in, but there's real, if you look into the relocation agreement, it's going to be very hard to move before the 20 year mark of the lease in the new stadium. And also as long as New York state and Erie County and any of the public entities are willing to put, A lot of money into the stadium operations there's probably not going to be a situation where buffalo needs to worry about the bills moving or being sold until some of those dynamics change
0: yeah i I would agree with that um but the appetite for spending public money on things like stadiums is getting tougher and tougher and daniel snyder i think in his behavior uh, expedited that process among government officials and the public being just tired of giving these people, I'm using finger quotes, uh, billionaires, all this money. Uh, and it's obvious in California, it doesn't work anymore. That new stadiums are are a tough go there. But I, I, think that that's, I think that the, that I keep using it, the boogeyman, um strategy is going to continue to work in that regard as long as they can cultivate possible places where the nfl would want to go to threaten your team to put up yeah. or we're leaving and i think yeah. at some point you may get a situation where it says all right well we're leaving or, or see you later we can't afford it anymore uh it would obviously be a, a crippling uh it would be it would have been crippling for kathy Hokel's political future uh, or yeah. her the ability to even come home to western new York, but. Um, I don't know, Jeff. You you have you have thoughts on this? I know I, I, we're probably we're probably unwinding this
1: this uh, this string more than we need to at this point. I, maybe, or maybe not. But um, oh, just but your yeah, thought I, on
0: public money. Uh, you know, as a Western New Yorker, but also as a journalist who looks at things critically, I don't think we've maybe talked about it. What are your thoughts just on the so breakdown we did, of the eight hundred and fifty million in public money going to? Um, uh, a, a corporation that does billions and billions in revenue, 20 billion or 16, but whatever it was the last time they, they filed some tax paperwork that gave us an indication.
1: We're doing a story. So we're working on a story on this. We're going to be doing a, a CBS story at some point here on, um, uh, you know, stadium funding. Um, not, I guess I'm giving that away. We haven't even really started to shoot it yet, but we've been talking about it. We're going to, we're going to shoot it. Um, and, I think it's actually we're working on like a two-part thing. One will be on sort of funding and that stuff, and not just bills related, but across the country. Um, and the other one's on just sort of the design of the stadium. So I think the funding story will have uh, a slightly harder edge, although um, you know we'll we'll see where it goes. But I, I guess my as as a non as a fan only, and a Western New York native. Or no matter where I would live, I guess one thought one one thought would be like if you've got a ton of money, why not just you spend it and and own something outright and and make that your legacy? Um, you know, I, I don't. But then again, I you know there there is a public enjoyment of this, and um, so I, I to be honest with you, I I don't know that even though it's been. You know, this has been a subject that's been discussed a lot and people have very strong opinions on. I don't know that my reporting has taken me to a place where I can say this is a good idea. This is a bad idea. Uh, Yes. Am I glad the Bills are there? Yes. Am I glad they're building a new stadium? Yes. Um, But I sort of look forward to reporting that out and and talking about all this because you're right. The ground may be shifting a little bit, no pun intended. Um, And if there's less than appetite now, then maybe these deals um change in the future and there is less public funding but by the way you know again if somebody's if if you're um i don't know throw out a, a mega billionaire name if you're if you're worth 30 billion dollars and i terry's not worth that but um uh you know you have the money <laughs> if you want to if you want to just do it yourself right um i mean Stan, cranky did right
0: yeah. And I think that, you know, and some owners have, you know, the Steinbrenners uh, they want to own everything that they do. You know, that's uh, I think that there was some uh, I'd have to go back and check my notes, but I think Yankee stadium was built with some bonds, municipal bonds and things like that, but MetLife stadium, uh, Jerry Jones's stadium, um, Robert Kraft. I mean, these guys in the bigger markets, they, they do that. You know, they can, they can afford to pay for their own stadiums because uh that property is always going to be worth a lot of money. They're always going to have full buildings. They can always sell their suites. Uh, Whereas smaller markets are a little more fickle in terms of what they can do uh, in terms of uh, selling out, you know, doing well at the gate, uh, PSLs, all these types of things. It's dependent. I mean, the bills are, super fortunate that they have josh allen on the roster as they're building this new stadium when it comes time to selling psls and getting excited about moving into a new stadium maybe your seat changes uh there are going to be some season ticket holders who lose their seats period because the stadium's getting smaller there are not as many seats as there are season ticket holders uh currently um i should say there will not be as many seats in the new stadium as there currently are season ticket holders um but what to your point jeff about um, you could build it and it could be your legacy, but these owners are under a lot of pressure from their, their brethren and the commissioner yeah. uh, to take as much public money as you can, because the more of us who pay out of our own pocket, the more of, of our, your peers are going to be expected to come out of their own pocket. So, Terry, we know you can afford it, but you better take every bit of public money you can get for the for the good of the league type thing.
1: I get it. I'm not I, I'm, and I'm not I'm not a businessman. I'm not I'm not Terry Pagula. So I don't know what what goes into his. I'm sure he's factoring in um, things that I'm not thinking of. So I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's it. It's a it's a good point, And it'll be interesting to see how this, you know what? So Nashville's building Nashville's building their new stadium now, too. And there's that's been a controversy as well.
0: Um, yeah, in fact, I just had some notes here from my coverage that I was uh, doing on the um, on the the the, uh, the management shakeup at One Bill's Drive because the stadium overruns were a big part of people's guessing as to why Ron Rakuya was out. But yeah, I happen to have it here. Um, it is at least 1.26 billion in public money for um. For a for a budget right now of $2.1 billion stadium. So over half, a little over half. And uh and that stadium is going to be more expensive, or at least projecting to be more expensive than the new Bills stadium, which right now has already gone up from 1.4 billion when the agreement was made or the memorandum of understanding uh to 1.54 billion already. So that's an extra 140 million. Uh, projected to come uh, out of Terry Pagula's end and then sources who I spoke with for this story are predicting one eight, one nine, two billion as the sure. final price tag. So I think that is, is a reasonable uh, it was a reasonable assumption when people who predict these types of things and have access and some insight on the stadium uh, to think that's why Ron Rakuya was let go is because Terry, the receipts are coming in on this stadium and Terry Pagula can't like what he sees.
2: Well, boo-hoo. I think it's better for the overall situation and the public and the state in general if it gets closer to a 50-50 split on the cost of the stadiums, or maybe even a situation where ownership pays more than the public money. And they're going to pull in a lot of revenues over the years. The Pagulas aren't going to lose money on this project. It just might be a few more years before they recoup their investment If these overruns get too high,
0: I would agree with that. And that's what a lot of people from the state and the county side of things have to say about the stadium deal. Um, I I have some quotes that didn't make it into the story just because the overruns didn't turn out to be as big of a deal. But uh, when I asked, where are these overruns happening, quote, everywhere. Um, and then somebody else who I spoke with, uh, gave me the, the comment, it's looking better for the state and County every day, this deal that was made. And the reason that the people on the state and the County side are crowing a little bit is because when the deal was made, they took it in the shins quite a bit. I mean, the people were really wow. upset that the, that the state and the County were giving too much. And now as time goes on, it's going to shift to like, as you're saying, Jonah, maybe closer to 50, 50, maybe the Pagulas are paying a majority of it. And the state and the county and the people, the fans who attend these games, have a have a stadium that was it's worth two billion. But you 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 negotiated the worth at one point four. I mean, you think of buying a car. You know, you you think you work out a deal and then you show up at the dealership and the guy says, "You know what? We're out of that model. I know we agreed on this price, but here here's the next model up because we have it in stock. And and we're not going to charge you. And we're not going to charge you for it. Go ahead and take that." but agreed also i'm of the mind that stadium should be 100% funded by the owner and i would have liked to have seen this stadium in in the city with the dome and the whole thing the whole shebang but yep. i don't get to choose and my job i thought as i was covering it was to paint a picture of reality not what uh, my wants or needs or advocating for anything and i, I knew all along this stadium was was not going to be built downtown with a with a with a roof on it do you think
2: overruns it might potentially lead to certain things not being built or certain features of the stadium having to be well, cut out of the plans I mean with the giant buffaloes are we not going to be able to
0: there are things that? where that could change but from my understanding uh, when the contracts were signed, there are standards that must be met and there are NFL standards and there's all kinds of things and it, it comes di- it becomes difficult if not impossible to remove things from a project once it's already been laid out. Uh, But you can change things like, for instance, in the, maybe the, uh, the tabletops in the restaurants are not granite anymore, they're going to be wood, you know, something like that. But in terms of the general, I'm I'm talking like, you're not going to replace things that were supposed to be made uh, in the, you know, you're not going to turn things that were supposed to be glass, we're going to brick them over. Uh, in terms of the general scale, sk- like the main parts of the stadium, the the spaces, the suite areas, the VIP stuff, uh, it's it's kind it pretty much has to stay because it's it's in the agreement. And
1: listen, I mean, I, not that one point four billion dollars is not a lot of money, but that number, given the cost of some of these other stadium projects you've seen, it always seemed kind of low to me.
0: Well, the. The first number that came in from C I A A Icon uh, that the Bills contracted to do a study on what the stadium would cost came in at one point five billion. Then, when they got in bed with Legends, Legends did its study and it came in at one point four billion. So that and this was before, you know, this was co. These were using like materials like there's COVID stuff baked in here where the the economy was a lot different. Uh, than it is inflation you know we've been talking to you know you, you turn on the nightly news and or cnn or fox news or whatever and everything's about inflation well that's happened within the last couple of years you have new york you know union prices and the weather in buffalo there's all kinds of things that can cause delays so the the projected number before the before the deal was even struck went down somehow by $100 million from CIAA icon to legends. And then, so I I think that the state and the county liked those numbers. They were negotiating off of those numbers and maybe, maybe not, maybe more than maybe. um, This is, this is an educated projection on my part that they were thrilled to go ahead and hammer out an agreement and knowing that the Pagulas were on the hook for the overruns, and sorry, you know, we are signed the agreement. Go build your stadium. We know it's not coming in at 1-4 or 1-5, so go ahead. You're you're on the hook for the rest.
1: Well, maybe maybe Terry knew all that to begin with, and he knew it was going to cost a lot more than that, and he was prepared to pay for those overruns, but that's why he wanted the public money. I don't know.
0: No, nor do I. And Terry Pagula hasn't done an interview outside of the Bills in-house media for years. And I don't know that uh, he'll be doing one anytime soon. And things have gotten only more difficult for him with his family and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the state, you know, there's there's he and he's just not a talk. He's not a chatty owner, never has been. And he has reasons uh, to talk even less now than he used to. Um, Jeff, what else? You, oh, go ahead. No, You're it's all right. It
1: I, I Well, listen, I, I haven't spoken to him in a while, but I, I, I've, I, I enjoy the time we did spend together, which was years ago now. Um, so, um, yeah, no, I, but I get there's a lot happening. So um, I and I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know what his what his <clears throat> what his thinking is um, uh, right now. And I'm not saying that in a, in, a, in a bad way that he's that I think he's thinking wrong necessarily. I just um, you're not going to know unless he talks to somebody.
0: And I'm here yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll race. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll see who gets him first. Yeah. I like your chances, Jeff. Um, like what it. else are we working on?
1: We have, I have a story coming up this, um, this week on a, a wonderful author, one of the most challenging writers working today, a uh, novelist, her name is Lauren Bukas. She wrote a book, her big breakthrough was, uh, she grew up in South Africa, then moved to London. Um, We interviewed her in London um, a little while back. She wrote a book called Shining Girls, which was turned into an Apple TV series with Elizabeth Moss. And she has a new book coming out called Bridge, which um, is sort of a mother-daughter story and it goes into the multiverse and alternate realities. She is like stunning wordplay, A a a just a really good book. Um, She's she's a magician um, on the keyboard, and um and I I I I really enjoy the stuff she does. So that's we're doing that this Saturday, and then um, yeah, we got a whole bunch of other stories planned. But I also visit. We were in London. We also did a talk to uh, Ken Follett of uh, Pillars of the Earth fame. So he's got another, uh, the final chapter in the Pillars trilogy. or I guess it would be five books, three books, five. I'm uh, coming out in September and um, I'm always trying to get back into an F 18 which I hope I'm closer doing. I don't know if they're going to let me actually pilot it like Tom Cruise did, but I'll learn if they want me to. Let's and, take a look uh, at those,
0: that triptych of photos that you have behind you, Jeff. So you just say you want to get into the second photo. You want to get back into that seat. Yep. I'm quite done. certain that you don't want to get back into the anchor seat at the local <laughs> Syracuse affiliate. What about the one on the left? Here we go. Here we go. <laughs>
1: um, no, I love what I'm doing right now, Tim. You know that. I get a chance to travel and... um I I get a chance to travel. I mean, I'm not traveling this week. I'm actually filling in uh, for uh, John Dickerson on the primetime show here, um, which John is doing a great job with. Um, But um, I get to travel during the week and and we get to shoot, you know, whether it's an environmental story or an author or a story about a a movie, anything we want to. I mean, you know, we're we put a lot into these, but um, they give us room to run, which we really appreciate. And then I get to, you know, co-host the show on Saturday morning. So um, it's, you know, we're having fun.
0: How do you pitch or receive your stories? So you talk about the, the two upcoming stories that you have with these authors. Are those generated by you? Uh, or how's, what's the process like?
1: A lot of the pitches come, yeah, for myself. And I work with a producer who I've worked with for a long, long time. It was phenomenal. Um, and we get a lot of books sent to us. So I spent a lot of time reading and sort of figuring out, you know, which books we want to do. And so I would say what we do is probably, you know, a third of what we do probably around there is is books and authors. And um, you know, maybe 20% of what we do is uh is like chefs and food stories, although we've been doing a little bit less of that recently, I have. Um, and then the rest is sort of a grab bag of environmental um, uh, climate. We do a lot of, you know, I like adventure stories. Big adventure stories, I think, is is the number one goal. And if we can put sort of an adventure that I can take and put, you know, with with meat on the bone there. Like, I didn't go up in an F-18 just for the sake of going up in an F-18 and wouldn't do it again. You know, it's a story about how they're trying to build planes that can, you know, lower the 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 impact of a sonic booms to increase um, the speed at which we travel. So you can get to you know London in two hours instead of five and a half. Um, and um, yeah, it's sort of a mixture of everything, which I like.
0: How much you bench?
1: More than I did a year ago um, after I uh, cut booze out of my diet. Um mm. and um that was last July. So um yeah, I've been working out more and taking better care of myself overall, I think. I don't know. So how much do I bench? So if it's two five ninety. Like two twenty five?
0: Oh. And
1: bench you don't wait you, you're
0: bench if you can bench once. more than your weight, that's right. Once. Just once? That's it. But all you gotta get. You're benching your weight. Over your weight.
1: Way over. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I was you're not I, benching I, my weight
0: yet. You still got a ways to go at, before you get that.
1: My kids, my kids looked at me. It was like last, we were in I was in Florida with them, and it was like last March or something. And they were like, I I asked like a tired, like, Daddy, you're fat. <laughs> and I was like, You know, so I, I wasn't, I was just, it was like the heaviest I've been in a, in a long time. Uh, I'm very, I'm self-conscious talking about this, but I will. But, um, so, um, I'm like, listen, I need to get in better shape. I need to take better care of myself. And, um, I've tried to do that for the last like year plus.
0: You're looking good. We've talked
1: about, we've talked about this, Tim.
0: But I didn't, I haven't seen those guns. Yeah. I mean, that is pretty freaking impressive.
1: <laughs> it's the uh, um it's the uh, I, I, I always ran and I always did biking, but I, I I think for a while I was neglecting the uh neglecting the guns. And so I've I've just given the guns a little more love over the past you know year.
0: Well maybe you have a future in other parts of broadcasting. <laughs>
1: oh, I knew it would get uncomfortable at some point.
0: I'm not, I don't know what,
1: I don't know what, I don't know what like.
0: is. I'd like to spend a month as your agent, just so I could pitch different companies about Jeff Glor projects that I, yeah. that, that I think he'd be good for.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, my, um, I'm trying to get Jack into working out too. Cause my wife, my wife's a, tr- she's a personal trainer. She teaches fitness classes. She was a college cheerleader, you know? So she, um, She's always been in great shape. And I look back at some of these photos from like a couple of years ago and, you know, she's always kept herself in shape. And I'm like, Jeff, what were you doing, man? Come on, pull it together here. So I'm trying to pull it together.
0: Where'd you meet her at Syracuse?
1: We met in Syracuse, but not when we were in school. Uh, she had just I was I had been out of school for two years and she had just graduated.
0: All right. So, so were you working at Syracuse station then?
1: I was working at the Syracuse station and and then she started there um, working on the assignment desk and that's where we met for the first time yeah and,
0: and you, then, what and, then we started,
1: and then we sort of drifted apart for a while and uh, then got together like a year and a half or so after that
0: and she's not from Western New York though no she is from uh,
1: she's from Pennsylvania uh Northern Pennsylvania not not far from Binghamton
0: all right uh, um, all right, I, I approve. I don't know why I'm asking these questions. I'm saying, all right, like, okay, fine. She's an Eagles fan. Awesome.
1: Which, by the way, the it NFL – might have to
0: come into play at some point. You would hope it does.
1: I hope – I would be thrilled with a Bills-Eagles Super Bowl. Um, the NFL just released their top ten players. Like, I think – so they release. I saw it on Instagram, and I think the, – Josh the Allen's Show- number eight. And Jalen Hurts is three? And Joe Burrow is like five or six? I like Jalen Hurts. I think he was phenomenal last year. But, like, is that – I don't know.
0: And these are the players. The players vote on this. So you can't blame the media.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's not and like was-
0: keeping Alex Mogilny out of the Hall of Fame or anything like that. There's no bo- – It's these are the players voting on him. Yeah. Bosa
1: was four. I was surprised by that. I mean, great player, but that's a, that's a big
0: number. I think Josh Allen's the second best quarterback in the NFL. I agree. And I'm, I'm never known as a Homer around here. I'm usually the cynic, but I think going into last year, I thought he was number one and Patrick Mahomes over the course of the year reminded me that, okay, there's still a little, there's still a little difference there, but I think what Josh Allen can do is special, which is why I wrote the story I did to preview the 2022 season in which I compared what Josh Allen does as reinventing the quarterback position like Randall Cunningham did back in the whatever year that was. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated's preview edition as the ultimate weapon. And I think that Josh Allen is Randall Cunningham, but add a fullback in there, too. Add, uh you know, cause got the weight difference and th- everything's he's better than Randall Cunningham as a quarterback and he's a better runner than Randall Cunningham. So. Anyway. Yeah. Speaking of Eagles. Anything else you want to talk about, Jeff? We kept you on the, on the horn here for a long time. I'm Jonah, anything you need to needle yeah, uh, uh, Jeff about any, any secret Williamsville right. East shit you guys need to discuss. Ten more east. Ten more east. Ten more east. See, see, I do that all the time. Are you? And you're allowed to swear on here?
1: Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. Okay. Great.
0: What's uh Jeff Gore's
1: familiar? I said circle
0: jerk several times. I mean, that's yeah, pretty. Can. That's
1: that's true. That's
0: true. I'm sorry, Jonah. Sorry? We were talking over you. Yeah.
2: Well, speaking of circle jerks, I just want to know if Jeff was familiar with Tim's favorite. Kenmore East area bar, the Montrose.
0: I don't think so. Tim, it doesn't exist anymore.
1: No, no. It was right by
0: Kenmore East. It was if you took a left on, what would that be? Uh, I know exactly what you're you're talking
1: about. I know you're talking about. There's
0: a, there was a plaza there. There was a pharmacy across the street, the Dairy Queen over there, the 7-Eleven, a liquor store.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: It's been closed for a long time.
1: Where did we go last time I was in Buffalo and you came by?
0: We went to um, Coulter Bay. Nice. Yeah. Good. And we had a scotch, a scotch egg. We did. Was, we had, a, we it's had the scotch first time I ever had a scotch egg. I felt like I was learning stuff. Coulter Bay
2: is where I first met Tim Graham and then later got pulled over and almost arrested about an hour or two later. For what? Well, th- that's kind of a complicated story and it's not super connected to meeting Tim Graham earlier, but. I like oh, I it know better if we implicate Tim in that situation.
1: So. All right. It
2: wasn't my fault
0: that he got pulled over.
2: No, it wasn't really anybody's fault. It was kind of a, a misunderstanding with a police officer in a red light situation.
0: Okay. He was cruising for prostitutes.
2: Wow. Wow. I, accused of that. that It turned out that wasn't the case, and I was let out. You off. were
0: accused of Really? No, no,
2: no, no, no. I, it was a situation with a red light and uh, a police officer that, for whatever reason, couldn't go drive above the speed limit. And I heard the sirens coming for other cars and sort of cut him off. because I didn't really see him coming. Then I get pulled over and they like yank my keys away. And they're like, you're drunk. You're not going anywhere. They go to their call and they come back like 20 minutes later. And I'm still there because I'd only had like one or two beers. And they're like, uh, we're really impressed that you didn't run away. We're going to let you off this one time. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not really drunk anyways, but then it turned out I had a situation from the ticket that you get from, you know, failure to yield to an emergency vehicle. But, you know, that was a lot better than what they initially thought they were pulling over a drunk driver, and that's why they took my keys because they were like, oh, you're going to run away from this scene, and, you know, it was all Tim Graham's fault for buying me one beer at Coulter Bay earlier in the night.
0: So why were they impressed that you stayed if you couldn't have left anyway?
2: That w- Well, I could have ran. No, on foot, and they were that a great, gave me a pass, it would have I been didn't. the smartest
0: thing you've ever done, yeah.
2: But I was sitting there in my head, like mentally preparing for like the sobriety test because I'm like, oh, they're gonna do this, and I think they did give me a little bit of that. I started to pass them the walking, and I think that was a little bit part of their calculation that uh, you know, they were gonna let me drive home that night.
1: We got into a lot of action here. <laughs> I feel like it's we started a little bit slow, maybe, but now, I mean, Tim, this is good. We got Jonah's like running with the law, a lot of stadium talk, you know, geez, the guns. Yes. <laughs> I mean,
0: yeah. Do you, do you need a permit for those in the state of New York, by the way? <laughs> oh, That's your right. second amendment right there, buddy. <laughs> um, this has been fun. I guess. Yes, it has. Well, it has we've kept been. you way longer. Uh, Jeff, you're always gracious with your time. Wait, what's,
2: what's Jeff going to wear for his broadcasting, Buffalo Broadcasting Hall of Fame induction? And is it possibly going to resemble what Deion Dawkins wore to the NFL honors show or the SB? Uh,
1: so so here's what's interesting, Jonah. It's funny you ask that right now. This is why Jonah's so – the probing questions. Um, I dropped off my Zubaz at the Taylor this morning because I needed some uh zippers put in, you know, because, like, stuff always falling fallen out. Cheese. All right. Like, my kids are always handing me things to hold on to. So I was going to get them, like, drawn in a little bit since they're always baggy, but I felt like that would have been, like, sacrilege.
2: Why don't you just get so, the tights some people wear?
1: I, I'm not going to wear the tights. But I, I – so if I – Maybe I'll just have, like, the baggy Zubaz on, like, underneath a suit or something. Or I guess I could get, like, the Zubaz, like, speedoed. Um Or, I mean, right now, maybe the, maybe the Zubaz tank top is best for me.
2: Maybe
0: we should just go full Bill's Elvis.
1: Yeah. I'm thinking of getting a Bill's tattoo.
0: Do you have any tattoos? No, I don't. What are the options?
1: I, it would just be like the logo. I mean, I, I I sort of thought to myself this morning, if they win a Super Bowl, I would get some sort of like that Super Bowl number and like a Bills thing. I mean, I'd probably get a couple other tattoos at the same time just so people didn't think that my life was completely Buffalo Bills, even though sometimes it can be. But, yeah, I would do it. Where, I don't know.
0: You get a Syracuse S and uh, a silhouette of – Walter Cronkite delivering the uh, JFK news. There you go. Glasses yeah. off.
1: Yeah.
2: I've thought about getting the Tanawada water tower tattooed on my leg. I don't know if you want to steal that idea.
1: It's not a bad idea. It's iconic. Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean it is iconic. That is a, it's not it's not a terrible idea, Jonah, honestly. Um but um yeah, I don't know what else I would get if I got a tattoo. What I what I would get, you know.
2: A map of
0: Niagara County.
1: No, yeah, I'm not from Niagara County.
0: Um, Jeff, go bother Jane, Paulie. Um, all right. Thank you for uh, spending your time with us. Thank you for
1: uh, thank you for having me, and um, I hope I wasn't too boring. But I hope we can do this again soon. Liz and Tim, I seriously, the work you're doing. I, well I, I don't mean to CJ it again but it's awesome and Jonah I am thrilled thank that you. you are doing I am thrilled that you are doing so well at uh IVB it's awesome that you are there and um I love you guys
0: thank you thank you love, you, love you too, too Jeff brother. and uh we'll see you here in a couple of months thanks oh, to everybody in uh-huh. oh right well what's what's first London or the Hall of Fame
1: I don't know if I'm gonna be if I'm gonna be uh the hall of fame is first. The hall of fame is September 21st, but maybe if we're if we're at the Raiders game, I'll give you a. will uh, send you a note. All right. I don't know if I'm gonna be there, but yeah, we'll figure it, out.
0: figure it out. Okay. Thanks, All Jeff. Right, thanks, thanks to everybody out there for listening or watching. Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and business consultants. The financial needs of a business go beyond tax and attest services. That's why CTBK goes beyond accounting services and offers outsourced solutions through their affiliation with CFO Solutions Plus. These additional services allow clients to focus on their operational and long-term strategic goals. Trust CTBK's outsourced solutions to provide cost-effective, value-added financial services tailored to your company's needs. Call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400. Or go to ctbk.com to learn more about CTBK's outsourced solutions.